listening to Find the Outside, the podcast. I'm Tuesday Ryanhart. And I'm Tim Merry. This week on Find the Outside, the podcast, we're starting a podcast. Yes, we are. All right. First one, first one of many. I hope so. Me too. Tim, why are we starting this podcast? Well, there's a few things we wanted to do. So one was we feel like the busier we get and the further along we get in our careers, the harder it is to get us in the room with you, you know? So we wanted to do something that got out our work and what we were doing to as many people as possible for as cheap as possible. And it's a podcast, so it's free. That's right. <laughs> but there is, there is a real right? element of accessibility, right? Huge so it is about certainly about broadening audience, but it's actually about people being able to access us easily, right? As we get into both bigger and bigger work, yeah. right? We're harder to afford, yeah. but also our time is taken up, right? So we're hard to access time And we got young families. Yeah. We talk about time. That's right. So it's right? kind of, it's an accessibility issue, right? Absolutely. If you want to have some time with us, listen to the podcast. Right. And we've experimented with lots of things. Our online courses were an experiment in trying to get our work as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. So we hope we hope this is going to do that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, um, and I think there's something, for, for at least for me, and I think it's true for you, I'll find out, is, is like just a, <laughs> an ability. <laughs> to, yeah, well, exactly. An ability to kind of like document and clarify our own learnings. So I think both of us find that in our conversation with each other, we advance our own understanding of our work, you know. And there's an opportunity to do that live with people, hopefully in the conversation with us. So I think that's a big piece of the work too. Yeah, that feels important to me. I think part of it is um, the busyness. I feel like sometimes we learn things and then we don't have time to like pause. Yeah. So like pausing to be here, to talk about what we're learning, I think for me kind of sinks it in and settles it in. And then I know what to share. Like just talking out loud. I very rarely think out loud. I guess I always talk out loud, but I very rarely think out loud. And and I think in our partnership and this work, you're a person I can think out loud with. And so oh. there's a sense of being yeah. able to do that and learn kind of real time. I feel like we do that in rooms with people, but it's not captured. So this is a chance to capture it. Yeah. So reflection is too important to leave to chance. That's right. That's right. First one-liner of the podcast. Um, there we go. There we I, go. I stopped myself going into an entire poem right now. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. We're just opening. You know? No. Maybe we should see what happens. They can always <laughs> cut it out, right? That's true. So reflection is too important to leave to chance. Take a stance. Stand up. I demand my time to unwind. Contemplate. See life in a state of clarity. Time out is not for charity. We got to stop and think or life's just gone in a blink. I'm dead long enough. I'm strong enough. I'm dead long enough. Laughs calling my bluff. No passion. Just crashing through life in a haste. What a waste. Follow my heart, seize part, if I dare, be the tortoise and not the hare. But that's about, I think it is a lot about that, right? It's about like slowing down, catching our breath, seeing ourselves and our work more clearly and inviting others to be in that conversation right. with us, right? Exactly, exactly. And hopefully it's going to be fun too. Well, yeah. I mean, like that seems to be like a prerequisite for us working together. Like if we aren't having a good laugh at the same time as doing this really intense, massively overwhelming work. It's just like, you know what I mean? That's right. Like we have to be able to not take ourselves and the work too seriously or we just go mad. Right. The question is, will people also have fun? Like that's, We like, definitely wonder whether our humor is going like, to be like, you know. I think we're hilarious. Yes. I'm just curious whether that will, you know, work for other people. Yeah. I'm not sure I want comment on that though. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm not listening to your podcast because your humor's completely crap. Oh, no, no. Oh. That's right. You can comment on the learning. Yeah, yeah. All of that. Yeah, yeah, totally. But please just tell us we're funny. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, you know, we've got very fragile uh, defenses for funniness. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> look, I just think, look, I think I'm funny. I think you're funny. I think we're funny. I don't yeah. know that people are going to convince me, even if they comment. Right. I think yeah. we're funny. They're just not getting it. <laughs> we're, we're too cool for the room. Isn't that what comedians say? We're too cool for the room. There we go. See? This episode of the podcast, being our very first episode, is going to be a bit different from future episodes. Yeah, totally. We want to introduce ourselves. We want to talk about our work. Um, we want you to have a good sense of who we are and what we do so that you decide to listen to us. And also so that you, like these voices coming into your ears, like you have a sense of who we are and what we're up to and uh, maybe want to join us for some of that. Yeah, and we're not going to go like super deep in this first episode because a lot of the stuff we're going to raise on this episode is going to be some of the deeper content we dive into over the coming months, right? So it's uh, so we hope that what this does is like it it gives you enough of a taste. It should feel like an invitation, this one, right? Nice. Like, you know, you're walking past the bakers and you can't help but go in and buy the bread because it smells so delicious. Nice. Yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, on this episode, basically, here's what we're going to do, right? We're going to tell you a little bit about who we are. We're going to tell you about our work. We're going to talk about some of the challenges, some of the key questions that we face in doing this kind of work. And again, the things we raise in this podcast are going to be things that we return to over the coming months. So uh, consider us, uh, at least in this first phase of it, identifying some of the exciting hot topics we'll be coming back to. That's right. That's right. We're not going to give answers today. Actually, we may not give answers ever, no. but we're going to raise good questions and good conversations. And dig into them. I mean, yeah. so much of what we're involved in doesn't have answers. That's why That's right. it's so interesting and frustrating. Yes. <laughs> and, and why I run, because yes, then- Yes, exactly, there, exactly. You do have answers yes. in a run. <laughs> exactly, anyway. yeah. All right, so let's talk about a little bit about who we are. Yeah. That seems big. Yeah, it does. What would you say about, what would you- um, what do you say about who you are, Tim? Someone asked me this recently. They were just like, uh, like so exactly like, you know, where do you come from and who you are and what do you, what do, you do? You know, and it's like, you never know what to say. <laughs> right. Um, so I think it's something like uh, I was born in Nova Scotia. I was raised in England, you know. Um, uh, I grew up in um, what I thought was a fun family and then in retrospect have realized was a fundamentally unsafe house mm. right mm. yeah and then uh and then went away to one of the top boarding schools in england highly privileged education uh but i didn't really consider that a privilege because it was like highly abusive and violent nonetheless got some access to incredible uh, resources and networks and people and education as a result of that of, of that experience um, and then kind of came out of that fundamentally anti-establishment because I was mm. like what the heck man this hierarchy is not working for me and this circumstance is not working in it and I'm just the reading I'm doing about it there's about 25% of people who come out of the British public school system which is actually private school generally come out as like anti-establishment artists and really the, the other 75% go in and become very uh, successful being institutionalized within things things like legal systems and government systems and which of okay. course the the public school system was built to do that right right um and then uh and then as a result of that and my complete 
dislike of what I saw as hierarchical oppressive systems um, uh, got into participatory leadership and got picked up by like Tolkien Muller and Margaret Wheatley and Bob Stilger and others and started this journey of exploring what if we could integrate more and more voices into our decision making maybe we could begin to start coming up with more uh, common sense answers to how we go forward that actually reflect the diversity of people who are impacted by the decisions and uh, and that's kind of like drawn me along this route and the work's just got bigger and bigger and more and more complex as I've committed to it nice. how about that is that all right sounds good to me all right what about you what would I say about myself uh I think it's important to know that I am a black white biracial woman right so that's a key part of my identity is actually growing up um multiracial I am a mother I've got two kids I've got a partner uh we've been married for 20 years how is that possible I cannot believe that's possible um and I think what I would say in terms of coming up my background is quite different from yours right <laughs> just to <laughs> name that right off the bat and we will dig into that more we will and I think it's part of why we're so good together agreed right I think that's part of kind of the what we bring mm -hmm. so I grew up quite um quite poor for a lot of my life right so i grew up in a trailer park and that always makes me laugh and i don't think you think about black folks in trailer parks but i grew up in the country in a trailer park through most of my life uh with a single mom who i was incredibly close to and uh, still remain really close to she lives in my backyard right now <laughs> she's ah. not i say she's not feral she has a house back there <laughs> So, <laughs> we're really close and my mom right? I, when I say in my backyard I realize people don't really there's a there's a structure back no, there I hear you. I hear you. Um, and I realize there are a couple of things that uh, that she taught me she taught me a lot but one is that women are your friends and so mm. that actually was the very first line of work I went into was um, was working with women who had been uh, sexually assaulted or victims of domestic violence. So that was kind of how I came into this work and loved that work as a therapist and uh, really connected and found it to be pretty, pretty joyful work actually in a hard mm. uh, situation. But I realized pretty quickly for me, my orientation was toward what are the conditions that are keeping these women in these situations, right? So as I talked with more and more women and more and more children, I realized, well, they're all super smart. They're all doing really the best they can, right? So there's something beyond kind of like personal choice here happening. And so I pretty quickly went up to systems like, oh, so what are the, how do we create the conditions? How are the systems impacting them? And so that's how I kind of got into this work. And so went in from a very clear um, activist background that had talked a lot about race and power and gender and privilege. And so that was kind of how I got into this work. And uh, after some time realized that while I believed what I was saying and I believe we were doing good work, it wasn't all of the picture. It wasn't all of the answers. There was, a, there was quite a bit missing from how I understood how the world worked and what we were saying were the solutions. And so at some point then I found kind of participation and participatory leadership. And that felt like a really good avenue, bring more people in, have more voices, really aligned mm. uh, with my understanding of power and difference in a lot of ways. And so started doing that kind of work and, you know, pretty quickly as, as well as with the activism work, we're like, oh, wait, this doesn't have all the answers either. Um, and so my work has been trying to kind of marry some of that real understanding of power and privilege and race and gender and systems change and participation. And so that's what I feel like we're doing. Like we're trying to pull all these things together from your privileged background and my less privileged background. I'll 
let's be clear, I have some really clear areas of privilege, um, and and figure out how do we change those systems that people are in, right? Very. I feel like this work is both like what I meant to do because of my personal background, but what I'm also, it's not just personal. Like I want to change the systems, right? Like it has to be bigger than just like one person and getting them through a system or getting them to cope or whatever. Like it has, like I'm, I'm up for big change. Yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, I've got so many things going on in my head right now. Like even the word privilege yeah. to say the experiences I had growing up were a privilege. I just don't understand that. Mm. Right. Like that was yeah. like, that was not my experience was not like, Oh, that was a privilege. Right. 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 And right. so like, so like, right. Oh yeah. That was a privilege. Oh, that was great. Yeah. I think I was mm. hospitalized, but you know, and right. so, right. Yeah. Like that doesn't feel like a privilege to me yet. So I want to, I'd love it. Let's do a podcast about that word. Let's do it. Wait, do you, do you know I stopped using that word? Do you remember I stopped using yeah, that I word did, for yeah. like six months? No, I'm like, I'm not going to use the word. I'm just going to try something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's really, anyway. So, um, yeah. So that's part, that's partially who we are. Yeah, Lots. I think it is. That's it gives it gives a little insight into it, and and I think there's something about kind of like who we are that fundamentally informs our work, right? Absolutely. And the combined perspectives that we're able to bring fundamentally informs our work, right? And so uh, you know we you we've often talked about um, just because of my upbringing and the fact I'm a white man with a British accent operating in North America, right? <laughs> right. There's this like instant assumption that I'm either smart or a supervillain, you know, just because of <laughs> just because of the accent, right? Let alone the fact I'm a white man and I'm sitting in rooms and people are like, oh well yeah, you must know something. Right? I mean it's just ridiculous. So so there's all of that. And then the fact that I've I've swum I've I've grown up strategically figuring out how to navigate, you know, various different models of the systems we're trying to change. Right. You know? And, uh, and so I feel like I can often navigate those systems quite deliberately, but I've been so embedded in swimming them in them. I think the thing that I've got from working with you is an ability to have an analysis, Yeah. you know, and, uh, and, uh, and so, I mean, I get go on, pick up on that because yeah, I know so that, I think, yeah. that feels, that feels really key to, to why and how we work together and why our work works. Right. So yeah. just to think about it, I think about it in the ways of like, you have an access to and an understanding, uh, of navigating systems that I don't have because I haven't had access to them. Right. Right. Like I walk into the room, people see me differently. They treat me differently. I have access to different ideas. I have access to different power in those rooms. Um, and so it's almost like, uh, melding your ability to navigate with my ability to see clearly because when you're not in something or when you're not allowed access into something sometimes you can see it a lot more clearly absolutely right than people swimming in the water you're like yep. hey that's water and people are like that's wet right and so this combination of i think sometimes my ability to see what's happening a bit from the outside and your ability to navigate from the inside is actually quite powerful right and of course that's oversimplifying right like that's true of course it is I mean, yep. that's all true. And sometimes I have better access. Absolutely. And you can see it better. Totally. And so it's not, it's not simple, <laughs> yeah. but it's, but it is part of, I think, I think it's part of, um, why we're able to be impactful, right? Is I don't think we shy away from that. Like, look, we're different in race. We're different in gender. We're different in class. We're different in upbringing. Like, so. Different in nationality. Absolutely. Right. Right. And so that means. We Continent. Have very. <laughs> I mean, uh, the list goes on. That's just the obvious stuff. <laughs> exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that just, I think that brings something to our work because 
Well, for a couple of reasons, but the one I want to talk about right now is I think we move beyond the rhetoric of working with people who are different and we actually are doing that. Like we could, in some ways we could not be more different. Yeah. And we're just figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. And like we're involved in, you know, we've basically said conversations around equity, right? Dealing with uh, equity within systems change is essential to systems change being effective. Right. And when we talk about systems change, we're talking about transitions in large systems. So that could be welfare systems like we're working in Sweden. That could be education systems like we've been working with in the US. That could be municipal government systems across regions like we've worked with in Sweden and in Canada. Right. And so I think, you know, that could be the homelessness system on the national level that you were working with in the States. And so we're talking about transitions in large systems. And what we're saying is Mm. you have to address fundamental issues of equity within these systems. Right. right. For them to actually to change, to meet right. the changing needs of reality. And if we don't, all you're doing is moving around the deck chairs. Right. And the Titanic still hits the iceberg, all that kind of stuff. And But the reality is bringing it back to our relationship is the kind of stuff that we're asking our clients to deal with in their systems is stuff that we're navigating in our relationship all the time. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And that's part of this podcast is to make that explicit. We try to make that explicit in the rooms we're in. Right. But I think we'll have some real conversation here about like, what is it like for me as a black woman to work with you as a white man and how, and, and vice versa. And what is it like for me as a white fella to work with you as a black woman? Exactly. Yeah. And then what are the strategic decisions we're making? Right. Like we're not just talking about how it feels to work together Mm -hmm. although that's important yeah we'll talk about how we feel Mm -hmm. but like how are we making strategic changes how are strategic choices choices, exactly how are we deciding who speaks first how are we deciding who goes into a meeting like how are we saying who brings what in a meeting right all of that is influenced by by our outsides yeah and and i think how are we making strategic choices in our work too that's informed by our different perspectives absolutely right i mean like it's like i find it's nearly always that i've got one piece i've nearly always only got one piece of the picture and then when we talk we actually find a way to navigate the circumstance that allows me not just to align my strategic brain which is what comes up front because of who i am and how i've been raised it actually allows me to align my integrity with my strategy you know and so there's something quite magical about that I was just thinking, we can cut this out if this is too much, but I was thinking about this meeting we were in just last week, yeah. right? Where your strategic brain kicked in, you kind of knew how to move these people, right? And and it was brilliant and fantastic and I was thrilled to be in the room. And all I could think about was like, wait a second, bigger picture, kind of how's the power working here? How are mm-hmm. we navigating our relationships across time? What's happening with the different sectors in this room? How are they staying in relationship, right? And I think it was actually a really powerful combination, yeah. right? Like you kept us moving on strategy and I kept us thinking bigger and and actually staying in relationship with each other. Right. And so I think that that's, that's part of who we are. Right. It'll show up different ways. So that's that's it. And that's that's part of how our relationship works. But I think I also want to talk about the principles we developed. Yeah, that'd Very be specifically. Yeah, let's do it. Um, in Thunder Bay, right after we did that gathering with indigenous and non-indigenous youth, right? Yeah. Um, and we spent time together cracking about the purpose of our work together, but the principles by which we wanted to be guided yes. in our work. And yes. so I think it's worth sharing Yeah. because that's, I mean, that's going to be alive, I hope, in all of these podcasts. And so one of the principles we cracked and we said, if we were going to work together, we wanted to have a principle of generosity, yeah. right? That was our very first principle, which was about a sense of 
goodness, abundance, goodwill, overflowing between us as we did the work and with anyone we worked with, right? That people would come to work with us and we would do work with clients and it would be filled with a sense of goodness, of abundance and generosity, that we weren't going to uh, be stingy in any way with this work. And I hope this podcast is part of that, right? I don't feel like we're going to, I'm not going to say, oh, we've got this formula, come work with us and we'll tell you about it, right? If we have ideas and we're thinking about something and we have processes, we're going to share them out. Dude, the more people doing this work in the world, the better. That's right. And we don't want you to do it like us. You know, if anything we can say can inform or help you do your own work better, then wicked. Like that's what we're up for. We're not trying to build clones here. Nope. You know, like we're not trying to create some like super packaged model of how to do equity and systems change and then trying to convince you that's the right way all we're trying to do is share our learning so you can do your work in your own way right right generosity let's just give it out yep as much as possible and i would just like to say i think i think that's been a principle that's been embedded within the art of hosting community too yeah this this like you know this global community we're both part of you know which is by no means perfect but i think one of the things that's incredible about it is this complete open source ownership of all of the content that's been developed over the kind of 20 years of its existence now and so i think you know with there, there is some lineage of generosity at least i feel that i'm part yeah. of in terms of how i've been you know raised in this work of just like share it share it share yeah. it the most important thing is that there's as many as people as possible doing this work and experimenting and that makes me wonder as you say that i i completely agree and i wonder at some point maybe we should do a podcast on how each of us might approach generosity differently based on our different class backgrounds oh that's a great right because i'm thinking that generosity has certainly been something i am actively seeking to cultivate in my life and have had have had to actively cultivate in my life right it's not necessarily something that i i think i think i'm a generous spirit you know what I mean? Kind of like, I'm happy, I'm loving. But I think like the practice of generosity and like knowing there's enough, like has been something I've had to cultivate. And I'm curious if it has a class thing at all. It definitely does. Yeah, yeah it definitely does. I mean, I remember one of the first principles I I had when I was doing this work was, and I don't necessarily completely agree with it now, but was like, all, I mean, always working towards just enough just mm. enough money just enough time like mm. think about the level of privilege that allows you to Absolutely. say i'm only going to work towards having just enough you know that's all i need to get it done you know and i'm you know so uh so yeah i think there's a whole bunch of uh privilege tied up in the kind yeah. of generosity we're inheriting and the generosity we're experimenting with now and with for the outside sure. yeah for sure yeah, yeah. we're well, in a, yeah we're in I, a good place yeah, we are, but we've and we've worked hard to get here. But like, there's you know, we there's there's a certain amount of privilege that we have now that is allowing Absolutely. us to be this generous with our work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, in terms of like working for free for some people, like literally just spend like four months, right? Like not knowing if we were going to get paid, That's committing right. to a significant systems change project because we felt like the people who were calling it were worthy of that investment. That's right. Right, and that you know that take this you got to have a certain amount of privilege to be able to do that there's no way i could have done this 10 years ago no way no way no way yeah so one of the other principles we've got has been uh family mm-hmm. you know and i think that's been a really big piece for me both of us have young kids yeah you know um both of us feel like we haven't i mean i feel like both of us have an aptitude to get busy yeah you know with our work and we can yeah. talk about the psychology of that <laughs> We sure could. But nonetheless, we both, you know, we both can get busy and get busy quick, right? Yeah. And so I think as we, as, as our work has scaled up, 
there's been a really important question for both of us of like, how do we make sure that as our work gets bigger, it doesn't negatively impact our families? Right. And so we've kind of made this commitment, right? That like, that's a measure for us. It's a measure of success that yeah. we're actually getting as a result of taking our work to the next level of scale, we're getting to spend more time with our families and our kids. I mean, like my oldest is going to be out the house in four and a half uh. years. Out the Can't house, even. going oh. places. Like, and like, no way, I have to be home more. So actually, since we started the outside, I'm working less. I mean, that's partly to do with my wife's business taking yeah. off and that needing. But like, I'm actually work, although the work's got bigger, like the amount of work I'm doing a week is less. Like I've got a whole day a week with the kids now, you know? Yeah. So um, so I think that's a that's been a really important principle for us in our work. And, and not going home exhausted after working yeah. together. All of that kind of stuff. You know, we shouldn't do it. You know, we're heading into a week's really intense work now, you know? And my hope is I don't go home and like pass out for two days when I get back. Right. Well, my hope is we go to bed early and we sleep well and we eat well and we run and we do good work and we go back able to be with our families, right? Absolutely. And this has been a place where we've met each other, right? Like just, yeah. just to be clear, there aren't a lot of people I don't find doing our work who have young families. No. And I just have to laugh because our families, I mean, you have one younger than me, but I've got a 10-year-old and then a 15-year-old. It's, I'm not going to be able to say young family no, any much longer, right? right? Um, and so this is a place where we've met each other. Like, how are you doing this, right? Like, we've actively tried to figure it out. How do you do this kind of work and travel and be there for your family? And so this commitment to family, this putting, uh, making sure, and I think... For me, it's not that there will never, never be negative impacts, but then how do we actually work with those and mitigate those and talk with our partners and talk with our family about how that that can be mitigated to the best we can. Yeah. And uh, also the, the awesome thing about having older kids is I can start to talk with them about my work in a real way. Yeah. This is why I'm going away for a week. This yeah. is why... Um, yeah. This is what I'm up to. This is the world I'm trying to create. This is yeah. why, you know... So it's amazing uh, to be able to talk with my kids about my work and feel like they can see how my work not only benefits our family, but actually could kind of benefit our family bigger, you know? I was talking to Ollie just today about coming to do some work, like coming, just coming to an event for a day one day or something like that, yeah. you know? Because I think there's an experience to our work that's really beautiful. Like whether we have musicians in the room or we have artists, we got 250 people in a room for one of the big summits. I mean, they're events, you know? Like yeah. there's something about those whole things where we're not just running a summit to go figure out sports system. Like this is a community event. People come in and, and they feel some level of like, Oh my, I'm part of this sports yeah. community. This is amazing. We can do anything. You know, so there is something about the kind of general vibe that we're trying to create of like upliftedness of like, yeah, man, shit's crazy, but we can still do it. <laughs> we can still do this. Yeah. And it may be getting worse. Right. Right. But we can still do this, you know. And I think that's a lot of what we're trying to create kind of between us in terms of what we carry in the room, but among everybody we work with, this yeah. sense of like, we can do this, people. You right. know, and I totally want my kids to ex have that feeling, have that experience that I experience in, in those kind of rooms, you know? So I was like, Ollie, you got to come, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so family. So clarity. Clarity, next one. Yeah. So it's funny, you will hear Tim and I say a lot, we want to see reality clearly, right? And I feel like that, I feel like that goes right from this principle of clarity, right? So for us, you know, when we thought about that principle, it was, is that we would um, not shy away from anything. We would find our clarity together. We would have practices where you and I would actively seek to understand what was happening, understand each other, understand the work, and come out on the other side with clarity, right? So it wasn't about so much what we did to do that, but actually that we wanted to walk through the world with clarity with each other and that we were committed 
to being in conversation with each other to get that clarity, right? Over and over and over again until it, however long it took to reach clarity with each other. And I think that that's what we bring to clients too, like this willingness to see reality, right? So I think that, you know, when we talk about equity, like there've been plenty of uncomfortable conversations with the two of us around like, look, what is really happening here? And me saying, I think this is happening and you seeing something else happening and just like working with each other until we have some shared sense of clarity. Yeah. And it's not answers. Right. Right. We're not talking about answers. We're right. not talking about conceptual clarity. I think, you know, at least for, at least for me, like this is a lot of like, I know clarity when I feel it. Yeah. Funnily enough. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we've worked this through to a point you know, or like, I'm actually really clear that I don't know. Cool. Cool. So the last principle then beyond clarity, right? And and which again is not about answers. It's about a feeling of clarity. It's about a point at which you're clear enough to keep moving. Right. Yeah. And the principle is also about turning to each other for it. Absolutely. Right. So I'm not going to go, uh, I'm not going to go away and find my own clarity and not share that with you. No. Right. Like we're going to share it. Yes, absolutely. So this last one is a society that serves all. I love this one, but I think it sounds kind of cheesy. Mm, is milk toast a word? Like is milk that's toast. A, milk toast. We used to that? feed. We used to feed that to hedgehogs when I was a kid. Like no. we had hedgehogs in the garden. You get uh, milk and a no, toast. And no, that's close. Bowl. Yeah, no, bland. I think oh, is uh, <laughs> right. Maybe another nothing or to kind do with like, hedgehogs. Really? No, no, I don't. In the English okay. countryside, no, no, nothing to do with that. So I like the principle, but I'm I'm worried because people say things that serve all, and it becomes like this blanket. Yeah. Right. For and the children. For yes, and so for <laughs> yes, exactly. You you feel me? So, but why I think it's important, and why we said that is because like that's actually what we mean when we talk about equity. We yeah. are not only talking about those who experience vulnerability and marginalization or who are targeted. We're actually talking about building something that every person in the system across power lines actually begins to benefit from or can see themselves in or has a part of building, right? So that we're talking about, we always, we talk a lot about engaging. We're super comfortable engaging with those those we think have less power. And we're okay with folks, our, our partners, those are collaborators. We have a lot of trouble engaging with those with more power. And so when we say that serves all, it's actually, yes, every single person. And so like for me, that line can become kind of a throwaway. Oh, it serves all. But I think we're actually pretty radically committed to Absolutely. building something that I mean, serves everyone. And I do want to say like, that's the direction of our work, you know, and I feel like it's highly aspirational yes. and it's very audacious. Yes. We don't expect to achieve it in our life. So I must that, right. that beautiful quote about the long arc of change. Oh, right. It's Can a Martin Luther King yeah. quote. It's a, the, the arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. Yeah. Right. right? So like I feel that's like, what we're in. For. Yeah. That's the journey we're on. And we're highly pragmatic in the pursuit of that. I mean, I just say that's also something that's different. Like we don't sacrifice the next step at the altar of ideology. Yes. We do do not (laughs) do that. We're like, that's the direction we're going. That is the direction we're going. And what is the most pragmatic real step we can take right now to get there that is representative of the capacity and appetite of the multiple, often conflicting stakeholders that we're working with, right? And so I feel like that's a real big piece of our work is this like, absolutely fearlessly audacious visionary direction you know yeah and this highly pragmatic what's the next step that takes us there that's right i just wrote that down don't sacrifice the next step at the altar of ideology that will be a future episode wicked 
for sure. Okay. So that's what we're up to. Those are some of the principles. We wanted to share those with you yeah. so you get a sense of where we're coming from. And look, we will fall short of those principles each and every time. Every day. All the time. <laughs> but we're going for them, right? Well, that's what they're there for. They're right. not there to measure ourselves against. They're there to be conversations that we're constantly in. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're, It's almost like those are the things that we keep returning to to see if we're on course. Right. They're not things we beat each other over the head with. I mean, that would just, that's, that'd be awful. Yeah. Wouldn't, that wouldn't, be, wouldn't be much of a friendship, would it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but people try all the time, I think. Yeah, you're right. We try to make rules all the time for each other. Okay. All right, cool. So we're going to try doing a kind of a quick fire thing, right? Yep. So what we're going to try and do is just be like, bing, bing, bing. Here's the stuff that we want to dig into over the next few months. Yes. And potentially beyond. So we're literally yes. just going to try and name questions, issues, challenges, problems yeah. that we feel we're engaging right now in our work that inevitably will end up coming into this podcast. Right. Just to give you like a, a flavor of what might be heading your way if you choose to come on and follow us, which we hope you will. So we're going to try it and we'll see how it goes. So one of mine right now, really clearly, is um, how do we work with large bureaucracies? I'm talking about government kind of bureaucracies and do rapid prototyping, experimenting, Trojan mice, all those complexity science things when we have a, a slow moving bureaucracy that we want to make change across the system with, without doing something like a skunk works model, which is like, oh, 10 people over here kind of innovate which is great. And, yeah. But like, how do we actually do that across the system? How do we bring complexity, science, and that way of thinking into a large system? Great, yeah. And I've, there's a piece for me about like, how do we be completely explicit to people about the choices they're making? Because yeah. I think we can design significant systems change that takes place in a three to five year period. Yeah. I do. I think mm -hmm. we can see a significant Absolutely. radical shift in a large scale, highly complex system if you choose to work with us in three to five years. Yep. But that's a tough choice. Right. That, yes. That's a very rapid, yeah. very intense process. And so that's I've right. got, so there's a piece for me, like there's a three to five year model and then there's a seven to 10 year model. <laughs> right. That's right. And like, and like, and I just want people to know the choice they're making. And, and it's like, what can your system bear? What can you as your leadership bear? Right. So that's that's one of exactly my right. Kind of showing people have to do that. And that, for me, that's, so then this brings actually another fundamental question of how much relationship, how much time does it take to build relationship and build work to actually maybe be ready for the three to five year right. quick month? Like, what does it take? How much do we have to step into the work with each other? Yeah. Is it reasonable to expect us to do a year of work, 18 months of work, two years of work, kind of getting to know and trust each all other? All the foundational right, stuff. All right. the foundational stuff. Like, what is right, right foundation building? Great. to set up that kind of work. I got another one completely different. Okay. How do we balance our friendship, right? And the way people perceive us. Duh. Right? Like this yeah. like this like kind of banter we have back and forth. Yes. Yet the interpretation that everyone has of us as a white man and a biracial woman presenting the work and that we're constantly under analysis, yet we're just mates going back and forth talking about stuff. Right. It's one of my big ones. Yes. And then related to that would be for me, like how actually do we, how do we work? Some of those strategic choices we make, understanding that we we both work and everyone works in fundamentally inequitable systems, yeah. which impacts how, how people perceive us as we show up, like just straight impacts, has nothing to do with our friendship. Like you have more credibility, I have less. How are we gonna get better at working? 
Totally. And how another question for me is, how do we understand that the inequity is at every level of the system? Yeah. Right? So like, how do we understand the inequity that the ruling classes are experiencing uh, through their upbringing and in their yeah. lives, right? How are we implying the questions of equity to every single level Absolutely. of our society? And how do we create the conditions for every level of our society to be part of these fundamentally yeah. transformative conversations that have equity at the center? How do we get our ruling classes and our power brokers and our significant decision makers and current systems into those rooms? Like that's a, I mean, it's a fundamental question for me personally, but I think also in our work. And I have a question of how we begin, and it might go to that, but, you know, we've been working um, with a, a branding person, Kate English, for different language around equity. Like, mm -hmm. I, like, this continues to be an ongoing question for me. What is the different language we can use in this work that allows more people in? That actually begins to move our thinking simply by the language we're using? move uh, let more people into the work by the language we're using like i feel like it is time to be talking about these issues really differently yeah. and so i'm looking for that language absolutely me too another one then is like how can we run a fundamentally profitable but generous business hmm. i want this perfect i want this business to be highly profitable yeah i do you yeah. know i'd like us to be being able to be philanthropic in terms of how we approach yes. systems change within 10 to 15 years yeah. of running this business. So I want us to be highly profitable. And at the same time, I want us to be outrageously generous, yeah. you know? And so like, how do we walk the balance between those two, those two necessities of our work? Man, oh man. Like I just, I feel like I want to talk about that now. And I actually really want to figure out a way of doing this work that works for my family. Boom. Not just for, you know, three months we've got it figured out. I mean, I know we're not going to come up with a permanent solution, no. but I actually really want to know how to do this incredibly important work and be completely present for my family. Like, I know that's not something I want to figure out, but that's the, that's an inquiry I'm in every day. All right. All right. So we want to talk, we're going to share maybe in every podcast, but maybe not. But we're gonna share kind of like what's keeping us sane, right? We've already talked about, we've got busy families, we've got busy work, we're working in big audacious systems. Like what keeps us sane? So Tim, this is your week. What is keeping you sane this week? Well, uh, one of the things that keeps me sane and one of the things I, that we exchange a lot is music. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so uh, I find myself when I need a break, listen, I either sit on my deck and go listen to the birds and look at the sunshine, mm -hmm. you know, or I listen to music. And I often listen to music in my car. It's one of the few times I get to be alone. And so I'm going to throw out the song of the week this week. Great. Right? Have we'll you sent it to me yet? Well, yes, I have. I think. Did I send it to you? Did I send you the new Christine and the Queen song? I, I don't believe you did. I'm so sorry that I didn't. I really like it. <laughs> So there's there's a French version called Dame du Mois and uh, the English version is called Girlfriend. It's the new Christine and the Queen's tune. You should absolutely check it out. She is amazing. We love her. Yes. And such a good dancer. Incredible dancing. So, so fun. Probably like definitely go listen to it, but like go watch Christine and the Queen's movie. Yes. Yeah. That's it for this episode of Find the Outside the Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 
New episodes are going to be available every second Tuesday. Um. Super easy to remember. If you'd like to get in touch with us about something you heard on the show, you can reach us at podcast at findtheoutside.com. You can find links to any of the resources, poems, books, songs we mentioned during the show in the show notes for this episode over at uh, findtheoutside.com backslash podcast or in the description for the podcast in the podcast app you're listening to us on. You can also find the song we played in today's show. Cannot say it in French, but you can find the link on a playlist we're creating on Spotify. So just search Find the Outside on Spotify playlists, or you can find the link over at findtheoutside.com slash podcast. This episode was edited and produced by Mark Coffin at Soundgood Studio. Thank you, Mark. And the theme music for the Find the Outside podcast is by Gary Blakemore, my old mate. Nice. Thank you.